You're listening to Out of the Box, a place for marketers to get inspired, get going, and break out of the box. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I'm joined by Sviatoslav, founder at Applica Agency, a mobile app growth agency focused on monetization and activation. Sviatoslav, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me here, Jess. So, you know, we're going to talk today, I think, a lot about, uh, a lot about business models, right? Uh, specifically around subscription apps. And I really want to get into the nitty gritty, uh, get some of your experience, get some of your insights. I always like to start with, with you know, getting to know who I'm talking to. So tell me a little bit about your journey in, in marketing and your experience with subscription apps across, uh, across your career. Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, the story would go a little bit deep into the past. Uh, initially, I was very curious in social sciences and behavioral sciences, and particularly I studied uh, behavioral economics. And at some point I felt, you know, there, there's a lot of theories, theoretical knowledge about the human beings, the decision-making process, you know, and at some point I felt, well, there should be some kind of practical application of that. And probably the best field to go uh, for those experiments, you know, and being able to actually uh, run all of these hypotheses and uh, test the theories is uh, the world of um, te technologies. And specifically, um, at that point, I studied at Harvard University and uh, originally I'm from Ukraine and we uh, we have a, one very famous Ukrainian health and fitness startup, BetterMe. So I just applied. Uh, that was my kind of first job. I applied for the position of the performance marketing specialist, you know, and uh, I was very curious to start all of this experimentation. And I spent the first uh, six months of, of my career working uh, with the user acquisition, you know, creatives production, all of these things. And then at some point, of course, um, the speed of testing is, of course, huge in the world of uh, performance marketing. And you have some robust results. But I wanted to go a little bit deeper and started touching some deeper parts of the funnel, you know, such as monetization and activation. So going, going just beyond acquisition. And that's where things started going interesting so it feels to, it, it feels like you know um we, we can of course return to that when we will be uh, discussing the uh, difference between uh, some uh, app uh, mobile uh, companies from uh, the west and the eastern europe but eventually you know i just had this experience working for ukrainian startup and then at some point I started consulting uh, other companies uh, from the West and I noticed all, all of these big difference in terms of methodology and approaches and focus on particular parts of the funnel, etc. So um, I had some great clients and then at some point I decided, well, it's, it's probably time to just scale these personal expertise, you know, and find some like-minded product managers uh, and uh, scale it to the agency, and that's how Applica was created. And now we 
basically we mostly work with subscription apps and we help them uh, boost revenue through the optimizations of pricing, onboardings, paywalls, um, push notifications, some retention mechanisms as well. And adding on top of that paid user acquisition. So it becomes kind of a smooth transition from acquisition to all of these deeper parts of the funnel. Yeah, that's very short backstory. Very cool. Well, I, I mean, there's a lot to dive into there, but I, I want to specifically pick up on your experience in, in comparing work methodologies or testing methodologies between the East and the West. I think that's a super interesting point. Can you dive in a little bit more to, to what those differences were? Yeah, for sure. That That's kind of a big topic. So feel free to stop me if you get bored at some point. Uh, well, um, I think most most of the listeners, of course, know how uh, the, the startups from uh, the United States of Western Europe approach uh, growth. And, um, you know, uh, the fundamental difference here uh, compared to the Eastern Europe and countries like Ukraine, Belarus, uh, is that there is an access to venture capital uh, in the West. And that, that makes just a tremendous difference because here in Ukraine, for example, in order for you to have a successful startup, you have to build profitable user economics, you know, just from the first days of the launch. So there is no time for, you know, branding, to much of optimization of some core product functionality basically what people do here is try to build a working mvp that would have some you know uh, of course product market fit and then focus probably 70 80 percent of their attention to building the strong use uh, unit economics and that's i think the kind of experience uh, i've got as well by uh, when, when working uh, for ukrainian startups uh, it seems that, you know, we spent like also 60, 70% of the time on, on, on this op kind of optimization of uh, paywalls, pricing, you know, uh, activation. And when I joined some of the Western companies as a consultant or advisor, I saw that the focus was mostly on things like product engagement and retention. And that's quite different. And in Especially these differences, uh, of course, are visible in the world of uh, subscription apps that are content driven. You know, they are naturally inclined to have uh, lower retention rates compared to SAS products, let's say, or social media, of course, or some entertainment products. Um, and that that is that is probably one of the most fundamental difference here. So. Basically, uh, by by this limitation of uh, not being able to raise some venture capital, and it, it's it's not just it's not impossible. It it's way harder to do that. Uh, companies from from Eastern Europe have to focus on building these strong user economics. Yeah. Do you think that there's an advantage to to building or focusing more on strong user economics earlier as opposed to taking the quote-unquote a longer route well there are both advantages and disadvantages and let's stop here for a while so first one i think in this case 
there is higher likelihood that you can build a fully bootstrapped company and you keep the independence and that's just great you know for sure uh of course uh you lower your mar margin of profits because in this case uh it also means that you have to be mostly driven by performance marketing instead of some you know organic growth and then you have just huge expenditures on performance marketing as well uh, right. one more risk i think is that sometimes you might have a product that hasn't really reached this product market fit stage and you you will be just you know uh, having too high of a charm at some point and that will become a limitation but you know i think i think it just uh, how it historically evolved here that there was no other probably way to build to build a successful startup and if uh, that's interesting because if you would ask me what what's the most optimal way to to build a subscription app there is no uh, single answer if you would look at some top grossing charts you know and check how, how many apps let's say within health and fitness industry or education how many apps started initially with the approach of optimization of retention or actually the second variant when they started with the optimization of monetization i think the split will be like 50 50 honestly i want to take you into a little bit about the technicality of actually identifying the difference between a product focus versus a monetization focused app because i don't think i would be able to tell the difference looking at the top charts how do you tell the difference between the two uh, well that's a great question you know because usually uh that that's a knowledge that i acquired historically by just looking how some products evolved and you know in some of the most uh famous niches like let's say dating health and fitness meditation um education you know um i've been tracking the the whole industry for the last three or four years and more or less know you know what what kind of a b tests all of these top grossing products has well, sometimes it's not that obvious. Of course, there are, might be some rules of thumb, like you can work, uh, you, you can just look at the country of origin of the app and check whether this particular company has raised any VC capital. And if it's not the case, then most likely there is no other way that how they could get to the top charts if they haven't optimized uh, the monetization part of the app strongly, right? The second one is to use some tools that can with some level of confidence, most uh, often it's not that, of course, precise to predict the average revenue per user or even uh, revenue per download. And that can add, indicate uh, whether the app is uh, driving some uh, paid user acquisition, you know, or just relying on some organic uh, traffic. And probably the, the more uh, the share of paid user acquisition is the most likely um, you, the app ha had to build a strong unit economics and monetization within to be able to compete on the auction, right? In, uh, Facebook or Google ads, etc. Right. But yeah, one more thing is to just start tracking some of the best performing apps and trying to spot any kind of difference over time when it comes to their paywalls and pricing, you know, because the first things usually apps optimize uh, are there on the surface, 
like the frequency of paywalls shown, the pricing for their subscriptions, the duration of their subscriptions. And that can have, of course, some tremendous um, impact on, on the final revenue metrics. Yeah, that's, that's probably how I would approach that if I would start from scratch. Interesting. Well, I'm going to see if I can if I can follow along and try and tell the difference between uh, between the top five or ten apps, and I'll have to compare notes with you. If you're looking at at you know sort of coming into the subscription space and and you're you're looking at implementing a, a new subscription strategy, what would you do if if you're in if you're in the shoes today of uh, of a developer who wants to implement a subscription? What what are the steps that you take to make it a success? <laughs> Well, uh, th that's just a great question because, you know, that's, that's often what my clients ask me when, especially young startups, uh, the first question, how they can approach monetization overall. And, you know, the, the easiest thing to do is actually take, let's say, top three, five of your competitors uh, and especially those that relied on, on this business model of uh, monetization optimization. So quite often they might have um, slightly you know, less developed uh, core product functionality, which might result in, you know, let's say, um, lower app ratings sometimes. Sometimes... Uh, it might result in lower retention. But imagine if they manage to climb to the top of the ladder, most likely, and uh, it happens so with not, not a really great product, and there are examples like that, a lot of them, most likely they build something outstanding in terms of uh, user acquisition, marketing, and monetization. And that's where you can draw some inspiration, you know? Uh, so that would be just... Uh, very simple thing to do, I would assume. And when you're actually implementing uh, a strategy or implementing maybe a test even, what are the things that you're doing to actually, you know, to, to, to get it done correctly and effectively and to understand whether it was a success or not? So, you know, are there specific frameworks that you use? How do you allocate budgets or levels of traffic? What are the KPIs you're looking at? Well, uh, I think it's important to mention that the frameworks would change as uh, as you as your product evolves, and basically the frameworks that work for the products that acquire just five thousand users per day is different for, uh, than for the product that acquires one hundred thousand users per day. You know, for example, I think if if you cannot complete an A/B test within a period of one two weeks, it's better just to roll out historical changes and, 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 you know, and aim for some hypotheses that uh, are quite distinct from the uh, control version. And in this case, of course, it's not that perfect ideal A-B test environment where you can say for sure that you achieved some improvements, but that should be enough for you to see the impact on your metric, even if you compare some historical results, of course, taking into account that the acquisition sources and audience quality hasn't changed much over this period of time. But you would just save time, you know, on um, collecting a huge sample size if, it, if you cannot afford that. Then when we move on and the app, uh, subscription app, uh, 
has some greater level of maturity and can acquire more users either organically or via paid traffic. Uh, of course, there is some point when you have to implement the basic A-B testing frameworks. And once again, so uh, over the time I've collected my list of hypotheses that should be tested first, you know, and then that usually uh, might have the biggest impact because imagine like the there are myriads of possibilities what you can test. You can test, of course, uh, you know, b people back back then um, uh, loved when uh, someone wanted to test the color of the button or something like that. And most, like, of course, we know that uh, most likely it will not bring any substantial change. Uh, yes, but, but there are also other things that are not that intuitive and maybe it's worth just saving time on not testing this particular thing at all and, and focus on something different. So you talked a little bit about the, the, the frameworks changing over the course of the lifetime of an app and, and that I can certainly understand. Do you think that there's also different levels of aggressivity with, with your monetization approach in a subscription model that, that can change over the course of time? How, how should developers be looking at their their how aggressive their monetization is i guess that's my question yeah well let me be blunt here i think that you know once when you start and especially when you bootstrap your app and if you want to of course um run some paid acquisition and be able to compete on the ad auctions uh, you actually have to be a little bit aggressive. Otherwise, you know, if you're just too generous, you give out an access to your features for free. You, there is no point. You, you don't, you know, you don't show paywalls frequently. Um, you'll just not be able to collect money from the users who would actually be uh, very uh, happy to pay for your product. You just, you know, you just don't show them the opportunity to spend the money in your product. And ideally, I think a rule of thumb is probably to start with, uh, I wouldn't call it aggressive, you know, because uh, aggressivity has some negative connotation as a word, right? But it's more about probably the frequency of uh, interactions with uh, some monetization stuff in your app. And let's actually take a very specific example, you know. Let's say there is a subscription app and what, of course, the usual practice that let's say you have a long onboarding, you, you ask some personalized questions, you ask about uh, the user's age, name, some other characteristics. And then at some point after that, you show the paywall, you know, and, and that's, of course, it's a very standard practice. Everyone does, but, you know, one particular thing that I, witnessed uh, and uh, tested many times and that worked particularly well if we would start to add in one more paywall just after the first initial login or sign up that would briefly state all of the benefits of the product without even showing that you know and of course someone might perceive that as a little bit shady practice right so you just ask for money without even you know um showing any kind of core product functionality and you're right but you know there are there are other apps on the market that do that quite successfully and of course 
imagine that the user might be already quite well informed about your app on the early stages. Like you've already shown some bit of your product um, in the video or image somewhere on Facebook. Then there was an interaction with your uh, App Store page with screenshots, description. So then that's, of course, the first interaction with the monetization. But um, you can already convert someone and uh, have some trust, you know, in advance. And uh, the user might be willing to actually spend money on subscription. And you create, of course, uh, some high expectations. But then, you know, there is good incentive for you to have a good product inside to to deliver on those expectations. Yes. So, and then the question, like one more thing that's probably worth doing is actually showing the paywall on each app launch. Let's say the user just, you know, um, there is a new day, he opened your app. Of course, he wants to use its functionality, but if he opened your app and that's, you know, that's a good sign that he's interested, you might show him like, the paywall just right ahead and explain that there was there is some uh, premium functionality behind that he's missing, you know, uh, and that's that's a good interaction. But so by just doing these two simple interventions, I think um, the app founders and product managers uh, can substantially grow the average revenue per user, you know, without risking much of uh, being too irritative. So the the you know showing the paywall on app launch I think I think certainly is uh, is is pretty easy to implement uh, and and it definitely makes sense to me. It feels to me like the the your first suggestion is is possibly a little bit more complicated, right? Which is sort of connecting your UA to your monetization. And we've talked with a couple of other guests on 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 the podcast in previous episodes about uh, the need for cross functional teams, right? And this sort of this speaks to that idea, which is connecting both your UA teams with your monetization teams to make sure that the, it's the same language being spoken and there's sort of a fluid handoff. Can you speak a little bit about how, how you see that working? For sure. I think that's extremely important topic, especially when it comes to this kind of new functionality of custom product pages, you know. So, of course, uh, most of the products have multiple use cases, you know, and then you want to show you don't you want to show a particular use case with a particular marketing message with a particular image, and then lead the user to the specific custom product page that highlights this specific use case. And ideally, you know, if it's possible, you also want the user to um, continue in, into this funnel of this specific use case once he actually installs your app as well. Right, so I think what's what's really missing in, in a lot of um, teams that I just had the chance to communicate with that their marketing team works separately from ASO team and works separately from the product team, and of course they have some kind of formal sync meetings once per week, uh, but ideally. I think there'll be a huge benefit if they could design these cross-functional teams, you know, where people would just be working uh, together and making sure that there is this smooth transition from the acquisition part to the App Store page part to the actual product onboarding and activation part of the funnel. 
I guess that's uh, that's one of those challenges that's maybe easier said than done, right? Getting that getting that work done and everybody working together and running at the same at the same speed. For sure. We've talked a lot about the the sort of the the sort of hardcore mechanics of the paywall, where it is, how often it should be shown. I want to sort of switch gears into the actual content of the paywall. Can you talk to me a little bit about you know what you've seen or what you've developed as best practices for you know things like uh, uh, pricing uh, or, or or design of the actual paywall? Yeah, sure. So basically, let's take it just a very basic paywall. So what kind of elements we have there, right? We have the price, but before price, we, we also have the subscription uh, products. Like some of the apps offer just one product on one paywall. Usually it's like, you know, yearly subscription, for example. Some, mm -hmm. some apps rely on comparing two prices, like here is short-term, let's say weekly or monthly subscription compared to yearly subscription. And usually, you know, yearly subscription, of course, looks... Uh, better and discounted and then some, some apps go crazy with like four uh, three or four uh, products and and sometimes three products for example work great as well so that that's the first variable we have here right the second one is of course overall design and and copy and let's say do we want to highlight the difference between free and premium functionality or do you want to highlight, for example, for example, how your free trial works as a famous example of Blinkist paywall, right? That just became extremely popular. Or, you know, um, there are other, uh, for example, some of the fitness apps are using video paywalls when they just show, you know, let's say how people exercise using their app on the background of the paywall. And that's, that can be quite effective as well. And... That's one more variable to test. Yeah, the, the next one is whether you have a free trial or not and how long is your free trial? Is it three, seven days, 14 days? Um, then we have a copy on the call to action button. Sometimes uh, things that goes overlooked, but honestly, I, I've just I found that even with a very optimized um, onboarding funnels and monetization, some of the apps could, could just, you know, simply add 10 to 15% to their RPU by just testing this copy on, on the call to action button. And usually it starts with something simple like continue, you know, or purchase to something more sophisticated, like try your pro, try this app uh, for free, for the next seven days if it highlights the free trial and there are some best practices how to approach that you know and imagine like for for the new app for for the app founder or product manager who would like to actually start testing all of these variable variables uh, variables the first question is where should i start it just you know it's how lot of a testing i have to do interesting so I, uh, from what I understand, you know, there's a, there's a lot that, that can be tested in terms of, of actually, you know, what, what sorts of uh, um, uh, features to highlight or, or button text or, or how the copy should actually be written. And I'm, I'm wondering whether a hybrid model between, you know, sort of all of these things, you're talking about two prices or three prices, free trial or no free trial, is that something that you test within user segments? 
or do you usually think that that's something that should be pretty standard across the board and it's really fine tuning the wording of the offer? Should the offer change as well as how it's presented? Well, first of all, there, there is no real possibility and that's often um, is limited, you know, by the policies of Google and Apple and you have to basically show the same paywall for everyone. You cannot really segment the audience here, right? But um, yes, when basically uh, for, for the new app that's just starting, probably it wouldn't make sense to test micro improvements and, you know, just changing the copy but ideally is to take two or three you know examples of the best paywalls uh, let's say a standard blinkist paywall compared to the paywall of uh, flow app that has this free trial toggler the famous one as well and compared to some other third paywall let's say with uh, three subscription tiers um, mm -hmm. and um, try to measure the RPU of these three options over time uh, in your particular case. And, uh, you know, uh, that comes to this kind of macro level improvement. But, but when we go further, and of course, some apps are already optimized and they have chosen kind of their path, you know, in terms of paywalls. So they found, for example, that showing the information about free trial works best in their case. The next thing is just the, the simplest one, as I mentioned already, is to just increase the frequency of the paywall showing and, and the placements of the paywall, right? Once you do that, uh, it's probably uh, most likely to see the biggest benefits if you move to the pricing. And, you know, there are some sweet sweet points in, in, in pricing, like, let's say, $50 per year, $60 per year, and quite often... Uh, $90 per year as uh, you know um, let's say we so we had an app where we tested uh, every pricing option for yearly subscriptions starting from uh, $39 up to 110 and and just then repeated the test with a few other apps and this three particular pricing tiers were showing the, the greatest results so you know, uh, I would allow you just maybe to skip this step. And it's, it's a very boring test, honestly, a very technical one, right? You just can test this for, for a couple of months, even half a year. But eventually, you would love to know your price and elasticity. And uh, then, of course, that can be also changed based on the location. In the United States, you can charge more. When it comes right. to second-tier countries, you want to charge less. We, we will not talk about that right now because it will just go to the abyss uh, <laughs> um, yeah and and then you know uh, basically price would be uh, the third point of optimization and the fourth one is about the copy uh, and the call to action button you know and and I think for for someone who who is used to test more interesting things like new product functionality you know, uh, new features inside the app, this can sound a little bit boring. And it is boring, honestly, quite often, right? Because it's playing with numbers, with math, trying to be um, as precise as possible in calculations of the lifetime value of average revenue per user. 
But that's what differentiates apps with uh, strong unit economics uh, at the end of the day, right? They invested their time, resources, teams, their, their attention to these things, and it paid them back. And they've seen some great returns on these investments, you know. Wow, Sviat, I think that's, uh, that's a very interesting place to, uh, to wrap up our conversation. You know, I think that you've given us a lot of food for thought. Uh, placement of pay of the paywall, the actual pricing you're using, the design, the copy. You've given us a lot, a lot of information and hopefully a lot of actionable insight that our listeners can uh, uh, can take forward and implement within their apps. I want to finish by asking you to share what your most seemingly simple on the surface, but actually quite impactful best practice is. Can you can you share us a little bit of uh, uh, of your best secret? One recommendation would be just to switch to the thing that would allow just to actually increase the speed of experimentation, you know, and uh, save the time uh, on engineering. And that's basically uh, where you put all of your paywalls and onboarding screens um, and make them uh, as remote configs. And it's usually performed via Firebase. And, you know, by doing that, you just save a lot of time in the future and offload your developers. And basically with a little bit of the knowledge of the JSON files, you can launch the test remotely even without releasing a new version of the app. And I think that if you, if you are not doing that, that's something you, have to, you should start to do quite soon. That's a great tip. I, I, I think that's, that's really actionable and that's certainly something that, that I, I don't think we would have gotten from, uh, uh, from anybody else from, but you. Uh, Sviatoslav, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure.